So as of next month, it will be a year that we've been doing this podcast. We're going to have to have a little party. Yeah. Invite all our listeners. Man, we yeah. have uh, done a lot of episodes. Yeah, I think Going we're on, back, this I'm is like, like more than 30. Yeah. I think this is number 31. That's pretty, That's good, pretty good for, for a, a year. year. Yeah. 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 I'm the mayor of Turkey Town. And I'm Hot Dan the Mountain Man. And welcome to Planet of the Meerkats. Meow. Fucking anniversary edition. <laughs> <laughs> First, there's the, the this anniversary, and then you know wedding anniversary. This is the most important one. Emily and I were we've been trying out financial planners this week. Oh yeah, it's a very adult thing to do. The guy this morning was like, "Are there any big anniversaries coming up?" And I didn't think about Planet of the Meerkats. Oh I totally man, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking today? I'm drinking a Modern Times Abaddon. It's an IPA, yep. very tasty. Nice. How about you? What do you got? I'm drinking an ice cold popcorn ale. Um, I think it's it just called sound, a popcorn ale. Does it really taste like popcorn? No, it's just no. like a, it's just like a real light. Oh, okay. <laughs> this was brewed by a friend of a friend, so it's super local. That's cool. I heard there's actually a brewery up near you, and I, I I'm blanking on the name of the brewery, but they sell a Lord of the Rings beer. I'm gonna have to. I haven't heard of that. Visit. Yeah, find yeah. find it and let me know. So what the hell are we talking about today, Dave? I wanted to talk about an, a city ordinance that San Diego put in place where they banned the use of the, the pronouns he and she and city laws. But before I go into that, I wanted to go start on a silly note. Okay. And uh, highlight some of the outrageous local and state laws still on the books that target women. In Vermont, women must p- obtain permission from their husband to wear false teeth. A woman's hair in Michigan legally belongs to her husband. A woman's hair? Hair, yeah. In University City, Missouri, the maximum number of women who can live together is three. In Ohio, it's five. Tennessee bumps it all the way up to eight. And Pennsylvania generously allows you to live with 15. If you're a woman, you can live with 15 (laughs) female friends. I think it's just to stop brothels, but it's a very weird way to do that. If a woman tries on more than six dressers while shopping in Joylet, Illinois, they can be arrested. Which, frankly, sounds good to a child me being taken around with like my mom to try on stuff and it seemed like it took forever i'd be like i'd have the sheriff on 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 call You'd get your mom arrested <laughs> be like sorry mom <laughs> in montana it's illegal for unmarried women to fish alone now I'm, I'm wondering if this is more about like they're worried that a woman fishing is so outrageously sexy that men wouldn't be able to control themselves if they saw this <laughs> Or if they're like, worried this is that... an 80s Budweiser commercial style fishing. <laughs> yeah, she's wearing like really short culottes and uh, a, a, a tight tank top. Uh, no, she's just wearing those really long, those those like gator boots. Uh, <laughs> and that's that it. Wade. And then, yeah, and then like a, an 80s bikini. <laughs> um, or, or Spuds McKenzie it... like floating in a cooler. <laughs> <laughs> does Spuds, if she has Spuds with her, does that mean she's not alone anymore? I guess <laughs> Um, or is it because they're afraid that women would outfish men? It'd be curious 
to uh, look up stats to see if women on whole are better fishers than men. I don't know. I'm assuming these 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 statutes are are really old. Yeah, but they're not. While they're not enforced, they're still in the books, which is what's kind of amazing. Now, so, how often do people go through to like find these laws to cull them? And then, what is the process <laughs> of getting a law <laughs> off the books? I imagine you do like a petition or something. Yeah, I would imagine. So, women in Tucson are prohibited from wearing pants, which I'm assuming <laughs> that means they have to wear dresses. <laughs> but I'm picturing a bunch of like pantsless women walking around Arizona. Can you? <laughs> can you like? There, I'm not even gonna go there. So you call Shul- the police. You're like, this woman is wearing pants. <laughs> you got to come take care of this. And they come over and pants you. <laughs> they like to take your pants from you. Uh, I haven't heard and- the term pantsing since like, seventh grade. <laughs> women in two, or sorry, uh, in Shelter, Oklahoma, it's illegal for women to gamble in the nude, which that's just a shame. Uh, women are not permitted to swear in Logan, Utah. Well, that's like that's Mormon country, so I can see that. Yeah, in Seattle, if a woman sits on a man's lap in the bus, it's a felony unless wow. there's an intermediate pillow between her buttocks and the lap of the man. <laughs> so, so here's and California is not exempt. Here's some California ones. So it's illegal for in California for women to drive while wearing a house coat, which I'm not quite sure what a house coat is. Is that like a robe, maybe? I think it's like a hard robe, oh, like of a hard some sort. Okay, like a like a like a like a more old style robe. Today we think of robes like terry cloth, but I think it was a little bit more formal. <laughs> so in Carmel, California, so Eastwood Country, women technically cannot wear high heels unless they have a permit from City Hall. And then this last <laughs> one's my favorite. And I'm actually thinking about uh, moving to one of these places so I can do this for Abigail when she gets a driver's license. In Memphis, Tennessee, or in Waynesboro, Virginia, it's illegal for a woman to drive unless her husband runs in front of the car while waving a red flag. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's that's kind of outrageous. Like that's that's wild. Did you ever read the kids' book Toodle? I haven't read. It's about like a a young train that. leaves the tracks one day to dance in the meadow and realizes that all of the train lore and laws that he's been told to believe are all bullshit and that being off the tracks is like the most fun in the world right and then society decides that they gotta like put this kid back in his place so they devise this like (laughs) plan to, to scare him and like basically inundate him with red flags to scare him back on the tracks and like kill all of his joy and fun and they succeed. But that reminds me of, of Tootle. It's all about red flags. That, that reminds me of the movie Smallfoot. Have you seen Smallfoot? I have not. So it's about uh, big feet who live up in the mountains away from people discover mm-hmm. a human who they know in their mythology is Smallfoot or Smallfeet. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. Like they have all this religious doctrine built up about how you can't leave the mountain and there's nothing down there. But Common actually plays a role in it, and he plays the tribe, and he has a pretty cool song. Wait, is that the <laughs> is that the movie where? Have you seen the the video of the of the guy in L.A. who's like like walking in front of the posters of all the pe- people from this animated movie, and he's like, "And Zendaya is Michi." Yeah, that is. <laughs> is that that is that that movie? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Zendaya and um, what's his name? The guy from Twenty One Jump Street and uh, Magic Mike. 
um, he plays the main the main small foot, and he actually has a really good singing voice. Uh, it's a good movie. <laughs> I would actually recommend it. <laughs> I I just like out of the blue. Quite often, I will annoy the shit out of my family by just belting out. And Zendaya is Michi. And we'll, I'll put this. <laughs> I'll put this video on on the page because nice. <laughs> it's so good. So the, the the topic. So to get to the shot topic of our show today, San Diego recently passed an ordinance prohibiting the use of he and she in the city municipal code, as well as the term mankind. So there's only four other cities that have laws like this: Boston, Portland, and then right up in your country, Berkeley and Oakland. And you know the goal was, I think, to make the make city ordinances more inclusionary. But you know, it, it provoked a reaction. I'm really surprised. I'm, I'm actually like impressed with San Diego for doing that because San Diego is not known as like a super progressive place, right? No, I mean, I believe have... up until recently they had a, a Republican mayor for a long time, right? Who actually ran for governor of California this last time. Santee, one of its suburbs, is often called Clantee mm-hmm. <laughs> because of the uh, aggressive white population in that city. I lived there for a while when I first moved down to San Diego. And while I didn't see any clan activity, it definitely turned me off to that city as a place to move. And I'll just say, I think people tend to underestimate the impact that inclusive language can have on people that feel marginalized. And, you know, he and she isn't necessary to have in city statutes. You know, you can say that's the thing that kind of, yeah, it's like, what is, yeah. I mean, to me, it's kind of obvious. Like these are city statutes. Like why do these need to be gendered? This yeah. is like low hanging fruit from a <laughs> from a progress perspective, like of all the things you could do to make the world more inclusive. This is like an <laughs> obvious one, because who reads city statutes like who are these people that are really getting offended by this? Yeah. Um, and, well, you know, you, well, you have some names of people that are actually offended by this. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, just their first names. But uh so yeah, at UC San Diego, we're in the process of revamping a lot of our policies. We let students input their pronouns. Uh, no longer they're they're no longer required to submit their birth gender, um, and we're going to make it so it's easy for them to change their gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the number of students that actually will take advantage of things, doing things like changing gender ident- gender identity, is probably very small, but it's important to those that do. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with folks and. Uh, that are impacted by this and it really doesn't have an impact but uh so there was a a link to this and i posted it to next door uh which is that social network centered on local stuff and actually i never post anything on next door i thought i was posting it to linkedin (laughs) but i i posted it and i just had the title this stuff matters so 166 people commented on the post that's huge Next door is is known as the place you go when you want to find out just how insane your neighbors are. <laughs> yeah, the, because it's hyper it's hyper local. Like you can actually filter down to your like direct neighborhood. Yeah, you can identify these people. Like in some ways, it's good because it kind of like gives you information about the type of people you're dealing with on a daily basis. Um, one thing I'm happy for is the street I live on doesn't have like everybody keeps their like opinions to themselves. It's kind of tucked off away by itself. There are no yard signs. There's no like people aggressively pushing their politics. And it's just nicer because I don't really want to know if you're crazy uh, or, you know, a bigot or whatever. So Roseanne said, what is this world coming to? Having to tiptoe around everything in all caps. And then uh, Gene said, this is no progress, just insanity. 
Seems while the world is falling apart, officials spend time on nothing. Easy way out. Everyone had always been included. Easy way out. I mean, the easy way out would be to not change the city statutes. Yeah, just do that. It seems to me. <laughs> seems to me that this is the actually the hard way out because then you have to deal with the backlash. <laughs> so this is Carol, and she employs one of the uh, uh, the tried and true. I'm being excluded now. Arguments. I was born female. I love being female. I identify with being a female, and the term she, her, woman, etc or what I like to be called. And so about my rights to be called the pronouns that have existed in almost forever, I can say now I feel excluded, just had to vent. Now, Carol really wants some city statutes written directly about her. <laughs> Maybe we could write a city statute that requires her husband to run around in front of her car waving a red flag <laughs> when she drives. I mean, that would limit her speed, right? Just a couple miles an hour, but it sure would be funny. Uh, Jerry said, this is awful. But the only thing I remember about my English class is a proper noun can be he, she, it, I, they. I am sure my teacher is long gone, but if, sorry, not sure how to properly address the individual, sees this, you learned me the wrong thing. You learned me the wrong thing? Yeah. <laughs> was that, I, thinking... was that written in jest? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Raina said, what a waste of time. Anne said, I think he, she is still very acceptable because Nathan Fletcher himself felt the need to tell everyone that his pronoun was he, him the other night. LOL, what a circus. Now, I'll just point out, just because you have a pronoun that is typical, like he, him, or she, her, that doesn't mean you're anti-people that have other pronouns. Like, Nathan Fletcher is free to have whatever pronoun he wants. And I think by identifying his pronoun, he opens up the conversation for other people who may have a pronoun that you don't expect. So basically, inclusivity by exclusivity. That was Diana. And then Wendy said, so does that mean we're all its now? Yes, Wendy, you're an it. <laughs> this changed you. to confuse people. And I think there this was like veiled hostility in a lot of cases. Chan said, then what's the acceptable terminology? It, help me out here because I'm a slow learner when it comes to these utopia society. Wow. Subtweeting that one really hard there. Uh, remind me again, what's wrong with using he or she? That was from Diana. And then Z, here, Zir, how do you pronounce that? It looks like her. Okay, I'll go with whatever the group wants, but good luck getting a critical mass on board with that. Personally, I love the push to take everyone into consideration and not just what we consider normal. But on this topic, I think it matters how progressive or compassionate you are. It's not realistic, and I definitely think it does more harm than good in the continued polarization of this culture war pot stirring is causing that was from robert and then he has a little person that's grabbing their chin i guess as if confused or thinking and then this one another great one there are a lot of people in the world learning english and a lot of children how will the teachers explain that most odd the world is logical they use he she and they for plural if i was a teacher i would say and then there's a couple of laughing emojis crazy americans three more laughing emojis and they don't know any grammar, Irene. Well, Irene, emojis typically aren't accepted in English class either. <laughs> I mean, being being the father of a small child, kids are incredibly adaptable and incredibly smart, and I, I don't doubt that they can grasp the concept of inclusivity and the concept of having non-gendered pronouns. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> so, And then this is positive. So not everybody was negative. 
Kimberly said, it's typed verbiage with le with within legal documents and literally has zero impact on any of you individually. Wonderful that it makes people feel more comfortable and included while taking up no extra time or resources from everyone, anyone else. Moving on. Thank you. Frank said, kudos to the city council on this move. Escondido should follow their lead. And same with the county. Progress is good. I agree with you, Frank. Adding they makes more things more inclusive and also easier to read. Chloe. And then the science says that physically and mental, mentally people have gender preferences, including but not limited to neutrality. Thus, this embraces everyone from Julia. And then Mari makes a really good point. And I want to kind of hover here for a second. The real issue is the generation that we have is highlighted here. To the teens, early 20s, this is perfectly normal. They're the ones who be shaping the future of our politics. Yes, it does feel... Uh, as other older adults are being pushed out, but one day we won't be the ones making decisions any longer. Inclusivity is very important to the new generation and will probably continue to be. And I thought that was an interesting take because she's recognizing, you know, I'm uncomfortable with this, but, you know, there's a there's a wider world out there. Things are changing. I appreciate mm -hmm. that take. Mm -hmm. In the pantheon of things which are actionable and um, that will actually show a commitment to change, like this is such a positive one and and again doesn't really impact anyone on a personal level <laughs> and i think it should be something that cities emulate you know there's there's a lot of other things like you know being being from the bay area i, I would say things are way more progressive than san diego not knowing a ton about san diego but just from yeah. what i know um and there's much more buy-in on these sorts of things but the flip side of that is you get proposals which are more extreme and you get sort of a status quo which becomes more extreme. And I would argue sometimes veers into impractical slash performative. And this is not one of those things which I would consider performative. And so therefore I applaud it because it's a, it's a concrete action. Yeah. So I was reading an article on CNN. As of April of this year, so in four months, Mm -hmm. There were 117 anti-transgender laws proposed uh, this year. There were 58 bathroom, locker room, and sports youth sports bans. Mm -hmm. So my question is, like, what's the problem they're trying to solve? I've I've heard of violence in 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 private spaces against trans people. I've never heard of like a trans person attacking someone. Like, this is not a problem that needs to be solved. Um, but you know, they, they're kind of proactively restricting this stuff just as just to get a reaction out of voters. Um, 29 bans on trans transgender medical care. And then six, six other bans. Um, and uh, including uh, curriculum bans and ID restrictions. HB 1570 in Arkansas uh, prohibited gender affirming surgery. It was vetoed by the governor and then overridden. Mm -hmm. So they had like a, a super majority on that. Uh, and then there was an Iowa bill that gives parents, uh, that requires parents to give written consent for their teachers to discuss gender identity while their children are present in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really these target kids, that's what's sad. You know, kids are figuring out their identity. They're learning about the world and being denied the chance to explore. Who they are, it's, you know, there's going to be a lot of psychological scars because of this nonsense. To me, this whole thing is strange because let's rewind to 2005, 2008, that era, right? And you had all of these, this sort of get Prop 8 in California and this sort of backlash to some of the progress for mm -hmm. marriage equality, right? Yeah. And 
within 10 years, that conversation became moot, right? Like it just kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, the conservative sort of right wing reactionary approach to gay marriage um, just kind of fizzled away, right? Like for a variety of reasons, probably, right? One is that the just mainstream attitudes changed. There's probably a lot of reasons for that. A lot of people probably just realize that they knew gay people right <laughs> and, you reali- and you you became more familiar with it and then uh it was reflected in the media and it, it just became it became like normalized very quickly against that historical scale of the of the struggle for those rights right and it's like almost on a dime the conversation shifted away from marriage equality and it went to sort of trans equality right and all that whole it feels like that whole infrastructure that was against marriage equality just shifted to be against trans rights right it's almost like it replaced that it replaced that issue it's like they needed something to be against Mm -hmm. and so trans people unfortunately became the the thing that they had decided to rally against and and what's the ultimate end game here you know creating all these laws to to sort of like infringe on people's rights like are we on the same trajectory where like 10, 15 years from now, this thing fizzles out because people realize that they know someone who's trans <laughs> and they're like, oh, you know what? This person's a human being. Well, and that's the thing, right? It's like they they said, fine, you won this one, but we're drawing the line here now. And this mm-hmm. was like an easy group to pick on. There weren't very yeah. many people. Uh, you know, it's a relatively small group. So they just, yeah, they decided they're going to pick on this, pick on this new group. And when this group gets sufficiently accepted in society they're going to find some other group to pick on and you know it's sort of been the story in society for bigots throughout the the ages like okay these people are all right now i'm going to move on to these ones i don't tend to think this is a generational issue just my my opinion i think that there are within every generation there's going to be people who are resistant to i think that are resistant to inclusivity i think people I think a human nature is to seek some sort of like way to differentiate yourself and be part of the like in group. And I think there will always be people who are like create and exploit in and out groups. I do think you're right. Like bigger picture though, like numbers wise, like I think younger people will begin to control the narrative and they will Mm. begin to, be in positions of power and and the numbers will be on on the side of progress but there are always going to be people who i think are uncomfortable with with in giving rights and and including out groups you know i was i was chatting with abigail she's um learning about the crusades in school right now Mm -hmm. and she was asking me like about like why were jews treated so horribly over Mm -hmm. the years and you know the conversation kind of went to just exclusion in general Mm -hmm. and we were talking about how you know the 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 story every outsider group tends to have is they just want to be normal and then the insider the inside group the in group is like no you can't be normal we're going to keep you on the outside then that group goes and develops their own culture and then the same same people on the in group are like why are you acting all different why can't you just act like everyone else Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so like you establish you st- you can't be a part of the mainstream culture, so you establish your own culture, and then you get persecuted because you've just established your own culture, and it's just maddening. Yeah, and you see it happen over and over and over again with 
with race and you know homosexuality or religion or whatever it's it's shifting goalposts you know you can you can't win in this environment you can't win those those debates you can't ever satisfy because the terms of engagement will always change right because yeah. it's it's all a straw man for the real issue which is prejudice right so yeah and they just don't want society to change i think there's uh, you know, I think ge- gender is one of those foundational aspects of society that people use to understand the world. And so when that starts mm-hmm. to get challenged, uh, it's threatening. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, it's a similar thing with, with race or religion. Like, there's all this baggage that comes with it. And when you start to point out, like, there's not really any difference between you and X group you know, that uh, it, it's threatening, right? It, it threatens mm-hmm. people's world, worldview. Definitely. I read a book a while back called 2312 by Kim Stanley Robinson. He, in the book, the it takes place, obviously, in the 2300s, in 2312. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the characters has changed their gender like several times throughout their lifetime, and they're, you know, almost 100 years old. But it's not a big deal. Like it's something that you can just do. And there's all these other genders besides like the binary genders. I think there were like 40 something that they named in the book. And, you know, it was, that got me thinking. It's like, as we get to a place where people can change their genders in a way that's more available, easier, and more socially accepted, it's going to happen. I think it is going to become mm-hmm. something that uh, people just do, right? You might have someone who changes their gender three or four times throughout their life to, fit whoever whatever their identity is at that time that's something that's really strange to think about it's so different from the way we normally think about gender is this concrete aspect of someone uh, that doesn't change you know it's established at birth and that's what you are through the rest of your life it makes so much sense though i struggle with this a lot with my family because i often feel sort of pigeonholed i'm sure we all do to some extent right Mm -hmm. by who we were when we were growing up I find a lot that I'm, my family still has ideas about me that are that, <laughs> like I haven't had about myself in more than 20 years. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a real disconnect, right? But we change in so many different ways and we grow and why couldn't your gender representation or your gender identity also grow with you? Like it, <laughs> yeah. it seems like a natural outflow of the, of the person you are and, and who you become based on your experiences. And we're not the same people that we are at every stage of our life. It's just, <laughs> it seems so intuitive when you really break it down, right? Yeah, we'll put my friend. I mean, that's exactly right. You know, and we have a long history of exclusionary laws from, mm-hmm. you know, New York Times just recently did a story on racial covenants that still exist. We have gerrymandering happening um, and the Constitution itself. And this fervor that Republican lawmakers seem to be going after trans people. Trans kids really is just kind of sickens me. But the good news is in 2020, the Supreme Court ruled that trans individuals are covered by Title VII employment protections. So that's a start. (laughs) That was in 2020? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. That was after uh, Amy Coney Barrett? Uh, Was it? I don't know. That's that's kind of shocking. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I was going to say one thing I've learned about Supreme Court justices is you never know what they're going to be once they get on the bench. That's RBG true. was true, was yeah. appointed by um, Reagan, I think, right? Or no, she, no, was she I think RBG was Clinton. No, Sandra yeah. Day O'Connor was appointed by Reagan. Yeah, yeah. Roe was decided. Be, 
I don't know if she ever became liberal, but she was she was a swing justice, right? And like Anthony Anthony Kennedy too, right? Anthony Kennedy, mm-hmm. I believe, was also Reagan. Obviously, famously became a swing justice, particularly <laughs> around uh, marriage equality. But yeah, um, Roe was decided by a, a Nixon judge. I mean, mm-hmm. th- these things change, you know, and the yeah. the justices yeah. grow and evolve. Anyways, what we were going to end on. I was just going to say, I was going to end on a note. I, this reminded me, like a couple weeks ago, I started watching a Next Generation episode where <laughs> the Enterprise uh, is helping out this society of uh, people who have no gender. There, there is no gender, right? They're just all mm-hmm. a single gender. Um, and Riker is really interested in this. And so he's like, he's working closely <laughs> with this with this person from the society. And like, there are all these conversations around it. And I, I didn't finish the episode. I had never seen it before. And now I want to go back and finish it, but I have some assumptions <laughs> about how the episode is going to end. <laughs> but I just wanted to say it's amazing that this must have been like '92 or '93, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was there was already a conversation around this, right? I mean, yeah. we all we all know Star Trek was the uh, sort of vision of a utopian future. So I imagine that 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 the that the the result of this will be about inclusivity but i do think that Riker is going to try to get his horn dog on because that's what it is. <laughs> of course and i'm sure that this <laughs> non-gendered individual is played by a, a hot young woman <laughs> but uh, let's not get too progressive here but the um i don't know if you, you watched a, a star trek discovery at all but two of the main no, characters haven't. on the show are mm-hmm. married and gay one mm-hmm. of them was played by anthony rapp who was in rant and then in this most in the season that finished uh, last year, they introduced a non-binary character and another a trans character, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are like people on the main crew, so like mm-hmm. there's a lot of rep- representation in um, Discovery, and it's pretty cool. I went back and watched Rushmore last night. Nice. And I don't know, man. I have to say, did you did you finally see French Dispatch? I didn't, but I did rank the the Wes Anderson movies that I have seen. <laughs> nice. So, Wait, okay, so I'm curious cuz cuz okay, so I've watched now after French Dispatch, I've watched several of them recently. Okay. And this is going to be really controversial, but I think Rushmore's in the bottom 5. Really? Okay. Let me give you my yeah. So I haven't seen Bottle Rocket right. and French Dispatch. Okay. And the the main reason I haven't seen French Dispatch is I don't have anybody to go see it with cuz Abigail is my movie buddy and she doesn't give a crap about that. She wants to see or preferably with some demons involved. Okay. So number one, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Number two, yes. Rushmore. Number three, Grand Budapest Hotel. Number four, okay. and this is actually a tie, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs. Okay. Uh, then Moonrise Kingdom, then Royal Tenenbaums, and then at the bottom is Darjeeling Limited. Let's see if I can even find my list. Okay, I'm never going to actually find this list in my email, but I will say uh, I believe that number one, I had ranked... Royal Tenenbaums. Okay. Which I know was super controversial. I think Rushmore is at the is closer to the bottom. Is I I think that I think he's gotten a little bit better at editing out a lot of the sort of like softer parts of the the script. Yeah. And I think I think it has high highs and low lows. I'll say that. Mm, okay. And I think the care I think the character of Max Fisher is the best character he's ever written. <laughs> like and the and Jason Jason Schwartzman like his his portrayal of that like excellent right and like 
Well, Bill really Murray's revived, great. It really revived Bill Murray's career. I was looking at his IMDb yeah. page, and he was really floundering until Rushmore, and then things picked up. Mm-hmm. It's probably been um, two years since I've seen Rushmore, so my I'm not nearly as fresh on that one. And maybe this is like a recency bias, or like you know having seen it so many times. Whereas with like French Dispatch, and recently rewatching Grand Budapest Hotel, like when I saw that one again, I was kind of like a little bit blown away at how much I enjoyed it and was captivated by it. So I don't know. I mean, this stuff's all arbitrary. Well, my, my mind was blown the other day when I realized that the lobby boy from the, uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel is the jerk mm-hmm. in the Spider-Man movies. Uh, <laughs> I was like, whoa, it's that guy. Okay. <laughs> Dude, when I went, when I watched the green Knight, I was blown away by the fact that the guy who plays the green, uh, the guy who plays the hero in that movie mm-hmm. is, was the little kid from uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. Like, Wait a minute. No, no, that dude's like, that dude's all like hot now. Like, yeah. <laughs> like what? And he was recently in a, a, a remake of David Copperfield, where he played David Copperfield, which I'm kind of <laughs> digging these, these race shifted remakes. Denzel Washington yeah. was just in a, a, a new version of Hamlet, which apparently is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Or no, sorry, not yeah, Hamlet, like- not Hamlet, Mac- Macbeth. He plays. Yeah, I like that it's just not addressed in the movie. Like that's to me, that's beautiful. Yeah. It's like it's not a thing. These are just actors like playing roles, you know. Well, and that's the thing. Um, yeah, like I, I think people need to approach movies as restagings in the same way that you would approach like a play or a musical or something that you see mm-hmm. live. Like it's going to be different, and that's okay. It's mm-hmm. somebody else's vision on the same story. Yeah, for sure. It's very much like um, I was hanging out with a friend the other day, and he he was <laughs> he has three different pressings of uh the black album by metallica on vinyl <laughs> nice. he's got he's got an original pressing some other one from i don't know 10 years ago and then this like new newer crazy pressing that's like a four lp half speed remaster <laughs> and he's got a really nice like turntable and, and speakers and we sat down and like very closely listened to all of them and <laughs> the point i'm getting at is that like in each it wasn't just the band playing, right? Mm-hmm. When when the engineer like goes back to master those pressings, like they make decisions about how it should sound. Yeah. They decide like about how the acoustics should be and and it's a it's a work of art. It's much like deciding to like remake a movie or do mm-hmm. a new staging of something, right? Like you get to make all of those little decisions which create a feel, right? But it doesn't yeah. the like story can still have multiple like versions of it, but that's what's beautiful about it is yeah. you can then like consume all of those things. So my r- most recent in run in with Macbeth was I listened to an audiobook version of it with Alan Cumming, where he mm-hmm. played all of the characters mm-hmm. and he played it as like somebody in an insane asylum. It was crazy. Nice. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Wait, we should I do like I... an episode on non traditional Shakespeare. Yeah. That'd be cool. All right, my friend, it's been real. I'll talk to you later. Have a great Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too. All right, this has been Planet of the Meerkats. Goodbye. The Meerkats are David Garrison and Neil Fries. Our theme song is by the one and only Tawny Frogmouth. You can subscribe to Planet of the Meerkats wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll find links to all of our social accounts at planetofthemeerkats.com. 
We're trying to send a little old-fashioned positivity into your ears, so your support means a lot to us. Thanks for listening.